Shumrabyug. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Shalook. Shalisten, the podcast that takes a pop at culture. Shalook, Shalisten. 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 Oh, very good, Ben. You've hidden how frustrated you are there very well indeed. But you look, we don't have any time to get into why you're annoyed about something because we've got loads of stuff to look at this week, including the new trailer for the new film from the new people called Argyle. Also, I've seen Gen V Episode 1. You've seen Castlevania Nocturne Season 1. We've both seen the hole in the ground and I was absolutely terrified for the first little bit of over the garden wall oh no hold on that's your bit <laughs> every podcast yeah, it's, is o- it's over the garden wall ladies <laughs> and gentlemen if you were wondering what I was annoyed at um, it's got two ears a nose a mouth a beard a severe lack of hair and an absolute twat of an attitude <laughs> I don't have a severe lack of hair <laughs> what do you bloody mean? This is a choice. <laughs> I'm a bearded egg. You're born a bearded egg. You stay a bearded egg, Ben. Ladies and gentlemen, it's been a busy old week. Welcome to yes. our first episode in our annual tradition of Spooktober. Oh, Spookween, where we take a look at the creepy, the weird, and the strange mm. happening in your neighbourhood and globally. So this year, we're taking a look for our first week of Spooktober at Over the Garden Wall, the 2015 cult classic cartoon full of eerie Americana and odd goings on. Mm. Mm. Ben. We don't have time mm. to worry about eerie Americana because have you seen Henry Cavill with a spiky Lego man haircut? Michael. Yes. What the fuck did you make me watch it's before this podcast? It's Ben. It's coming soon in February from one of your favourite directors, Matthew Vaughan. Matthew Vaughan's a terrible director, Michael. You loved Kingsman. I do like Kingsman an awful lot. Matthew right. Vaughan's actually quite good at directing. You, were, you spent weeks telling people to call you eggs. Yeah. Kingsman 2 is what made me uncomfortable because that weird festival scene, Michael. Do you remember yeah, that? that? Remember we sat step. in the cinema yeah. and just, we're just, we were both looking at each other going, what the fuck? What? No. Should, Should we leave? leave? We Should leave. leave. Also, Ben, you loved X-Men First Class. I did. It was very good, Michael. I do enjoy X-Men First Class. And I've got yeah. a list here of your favourite actors, Ben. Oh, no. Would you like to hear it? Yes. Now, obviously, you've dictated it to me beforehand, so this is a conceit for the listeners. This is verbatim. This is verbatim. I'll even do it in your voice. Oh, yeah, yeah, Henry Cavill, actually. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah, actually, Bryce Dallas Howard, actually. Yeah, that sounds so money. Actually, Dua Lipa, actually, is one of my favourite actors. Actually, Samuel L. Jackson. I don't say actually like that. I say actually. Actually, you know, I'm a, I'm a quite uh, British little fellow. Dreadfully, dreadfully British, don't you know? Samuel um, Rockwell, Benjamin. Samuel Rockwell is genuinely one of my favourite actors. Yeah, yeah, all all of them were. All of the ones who I've mentioned. No, Brian Cranston. True, Brian Cranston is a very good actor. Like him. Yeah, the mother from Home Alone. Yes, Catherine Bigelow. No, female Bigelow. Annoy me. She's also in one of my favorite shows, Shit's Creek. Yeah, yeah, she's that's Moira the one. Rose. Yeah, she's a, she's kind of Irish. Let's say Brennan. No, but anyway, Cavill. I know who you're talking about. 
Yeah, they're all in it, Ben. And Bryce Dallas Howard is playing a fiction writer, Ben, whose fiction is actually really happening. Yeah, so Bryce Dallas Howard is AI, Michael, in this particular very good thing. So it, a couple of weeks ago, Michael, we saw the film Mission Impossible 85, mm. starring ChatGPT and Tom Cruise. Yeah, Tom Cruise versus ChatGPT. And I think Matthew Vaughn saw that and went, oh, maybe if I just made ChatGPT a woman. Yep. That'd be good. Chatty GPT, you'd say, if it was a uh, Oh, that was mildly sexist. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, we got a bizarre trailer for Argyle where a fiction writer about a famous spy, uh, a kind of uh, a Lady Ian Fleming, yeah. is writing about Henry Cavill as a kind of James Bond type character called Argyle. Mm. And she has a cat. She travels the world. And she's a bit shy, Michael. So she probably expresses her life through her fiction. Probably. That's probably what it is. But Michael, then she meets Samuel Rockwell. That's one of my lifelong ambitions. I would love that. I long, Michael, to oust you from this podcast and do Sherlock Listen with Samuel Rockwell. It would be much more popular. It would be much more popular. But he turns out, Michael, to be... He looks like a hippie and a loser and he's wearing a bucket hat like Brad Pitt in Bullet Train. But he's great! He's fabulous. He's chopping people in the head. He's throwing guns. He's doing a big kick. He's his own spy, Michael. She's meeting real-life spycraft. What a twist. The lady who writes about spycraft now takes part in it. (laughs) Ooh-wee. Little tiny hint of sarcasm there, Ben. I, th- I think, Michael, we saw this before with Melissa McCarthy. Did we? We've seen this film in was one iteration or another before. <laughs> Not the heat. She did one where she was a lady spy. She's painted gold on the, the cover of it. Do you remember that? Yeah, Statham was in it. Statham was in it. That's exactly right. Statham was Sam Rockwell. Melissa McCarthy was Bryce Dallas Howard. Yeah, I can't remember what that was called. I can't was remember it what it was called. Spy? I think it might have just I think been called it was just Spy. Called Spy. <laughs> I think it was. I think it was just called the film Spy. <laughs> so we're getting the film Spy, but this time without the fat phobia and fat being the butt of all the jokes. Yeah, yeah. Well, we don't know that for a fact. We don't, but hopefully not, Michael. Hmm. Seems like you can't swing a cat these days without Dua Lipa appearing in things. Oh, Dua Lipa pops up fucking everywhere. Man. She's everywhere. I didn't even know She's she was everywhere. acting, Ben. Uh, yeah, she is. I, as far as we know, I haven't seen the film yet, so maybe she's not. I don't know. Yeah, maybe, maybe she's just dual leaping all over the place. About the place. Very good. Anyway, look, we won't go see it. Ben, it looks awful. Looks, it's, yeah. it's also, Michael, the worst time that you could possibly have a giant star-studded cast, including John Cena, and you can't use them for a single ounce of promotion. Yeah, when when is that off? When can they come back and do that? They haven't made a deal yet, Michael. There's been no deal reached with SAG after. Only the WGA has reached ah. uh, an agreement. And the interesting thing about that, Michael, is I would have thought that the WGA would remain in solidarity strike with the actress, but they haven't. <laughs> the absolute cheek of them. I suppose it would be in bad faith at this stage if they got their, if they got what they asked for to not accept it. Yeah, then they just went, nah. Nah, we won't, we won't do it. <laughs> nah, not doing it. Nah. Not doing it. We were only messing. We didn't want we that only- stuff. Just joking, only joking. We're only joking. We're not going to joke ever, uh, ever. Um, Michael, come here to me. What is it? Come here to me. Yeah. You saw something this week. It was Gen yeah, B Ben. Speaking of star-studded cast of big names, yes. I saw episode one of the new Amazon Prime series Gen V. Oh, any good? Yeah, actually. <laughs> 
Yeah, actually it was, yeah. So, one of my, one of my favourite traditions on this podcast is when Mick Leonard actually likes something and I'm just so taken aback. No, no. <laughs> I'm just like, oh, things. Jesus. Remember, I liked Avengers. You did, yeah. 2012. That was the last thing I liked. Ben, no, if you remember, I wasn't sure about this because I wasn't sure how the boys' light it was going to be or if it was going to be someone's social justice take on the boys. Okay. And the the jury's still out on that Mm. because I can't quite put my finger... After one episode, I think there are multiple... But I watched The Boys week after week, and that was one of the things I enjoyed about it. So I decided, rather than binging this, to give it the same treatment. We've got to give it the old sequential serial. I'm going to watch it every Saturday morning, Ben, the same way I watch The Boys. Or the cartoons. I'm going to... Exactly, Ben, or the cartoons. Dungeons and Dragons, the cartoon. Yes. Yeah. And the ranger. Diana. Either the... The the invisible one. Was that Diana? (laughs) I don't remember. I can't tell if Mick has dementia or just if he's just Mick. I don't I'm know. I'm having a bit of a rough day. <laughs> it's so was I. But this anyway. Is, this is going to be, ladies and gentlemen, in, in a, an increasing series of rough ones, this is going to be a rough <laughs> this one. It's going to be pretty rough. But Ben, shut up for a second, because remember I said I didn't know whether it was going to be someone's Gen Z, Gen Z um, take on the boys with all of the preachy politics that that would bring in. Yes. And it kind of does, a little bit. A little bit it does. Just touch. But I don't actually know what the show's politics are. Yeah. So I think that's good. Right. Because different characters in it seem to have different politics. And sure, the main character definitely has a belief system. But refreshingly, I think is what I'm trying to say... I couldn't tell you what the writers think about it. And mm. I like that. I like that. I think you like that's the political better. obscurity of the whole thing. No, I like the fact that you aren't, that the characters aren't mouthpieces for the writers. Well, that's good, isn't it? That, yes, I, I hope so. And I hope it stays as interesting and intriguing in that sense. A lot of it, though, is pretty fucking boilerplate, Ben. No, go on. Well, there's there's sexy young people in this sexy young people's university for superheroes. Yeah, they're doing sexy young people things. They're doing sexy young people things like a rake of cocaine. Oh, just a heap. Yeah, and they're doing sexy Peruvian young people powder. things. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and they're doing a sexy heap of sexy things like accidentally sexy nearly killing people. Oh, it's a classic teenage classic. thing, isn't it? Oh, I nearly killed that guy. Whoa. And they've got traumas, Ben, and they've got insecurities and... You know, there's different cliques and who's friends with who and what do you have to do to rise in this clique. And all of that is like, all right, I see where you're going with this. But also, there is a scene where a tiny little superhero lady is straddling, straddling a, like, in scale, 10-inch, 10-foot cock. Hmm. And then someone else explodes. And the bits of blood just shower over all everyone, all down all that over. That sounds everybody. like the boys. It sounds yeah, like the boys. Like... So it's got the. It is what we thought it would be of the mix of kind of Riverdale esque sensibilities, or, um, you know that sort of teen hustling for position, who's with who and who's against who, mixed Good with the fashion teen hustle. Exactly, um, and of course it's got the classic 
trope, Ben, of all of these kind of teen dramas or university dramas of someone does a murder-suicide on campus and it's probably because of a dark secret. (laughs) And what is that dark secret? We're going to have to gradually find out over six to eight episodes. In the boys' universe, it must be horrific. Go on. Because they've all got dark secrets smuggled in the boys' universe. Exactly. The whole thing is about dark secrets. It, it's it's basically the currency of that particular society is, you better have a dark secret or you're not joining the boys. Yeah, you're not, no, you're no, not no, getting no, in the team unless no, I can blackmail you with a big old dark secret. No bloody dark secrets unless you're getting in here, get in here into our team. But it's, it, it's weird in places, though. It's very gory. Very, Go very gory. Oh, yeah. Um, but weirdly timid around female nudity. Yes. But incredibly graphic about male nudity. Well, I think that's the classic thing of free the nipple, isn't it, Michael? Go on. Policing women's bodies seems to be far more in the sphere of entertainment and social media than policing men's bodies. I don't know. Well, for example, there are a couple of sex scenes and the women all keep bras on or hold t-shirt, hold towels up in front of themselves. Very good. We see a... Like, entire full screen, fully erect penis. Yeah, yeah. No, that's, that's pretty standard. I'm just going to go check this show out, Michael. Hang on. <laughs> <laughs> and there are multiple uh, multiple shots of different people's penises. We see at least two characters' penises, <laughs> but not a single nipple, either male, male or female. It's very there's a, strange. There's it's a plethora ver- of penises as well. <laughs> a plethora of penises, Ben. It's odd, though. It's odd because it's, like, it feels like transgressive is that the word I'm looking for it feels like transgressive and like we're going to put a 10 foot tall fully fleshy erect penis on screen but we can't show a lady's nipple because then we'll get in trouble because then we'll get in trouble but enjoy this and they slap us literally in the face with a cock full (laughs) screen massive erect imagine an erect penis being taller than a man Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the brand new podcast feature, Cox on Cox. Cox on Cox. Very strange. Very, very strange. Um, it has your favourite and mine, Clancy Brown. Oh yeah, I love Clancy Brown. And he is, uh, all joking aside, the biggest to a big name. Okay. There are okay. a couple of uh, the boys' cameos, obviously. Um, you'd have to get a few, wouldn't you? You'd have to get a few, but they're a little more than um, Zack Snyder level. Here's uh, here's the the fast fella talking about when he was in the university. A train, a train. That's the fella. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, that's the lad. Pretty good. Very on the nose. I'll definitely be watching more of it. Will I get all the way through? I don't know. Who's to say, Michael? Who is to say? Who's to say? Me and Amazon Prime. Yes. Well, they'll let us know. They'll send yeah. me an email. Yeah, 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 I'll send an email. Ben, speaking yeah. of Amazon Prime... Go on. Last week we talked about the origins of Castlevania, or was that two weeks ago? No, it was last week. Okay, and, and you've seen it. Michael, I've seen the whole bloody new season of Castlevania Nocturne. We talked about it last week and you've seen it all this week. I've seen it, Michael. It only came out on bloody Thursday. I've seen the whole fucking thing. Are things all right, Ben? Are things going all right for you? Nah, not really, Mark. We'll talk about that off air. It's a fucking rough week, isn't it? It's a fucking rough week. <laughs> it's been a shit heap of a week, Michael. I don't know what it is. Absolute shit heap of a week. Anyway, go on. What was it about? 
Alucard. So, Michael, we talked about this on the podcast last week. Uh, Castlevania Nocturne has returned, featured around Richter Belmont, replacing the bloody stellar cast from Castlevania anime seasons one to four, where we got mm. Trevor Belmont, we got Saifa Belnades, and we got bloody Alucard. Oh my God. Sorry, that's a dog. <laughs> That was absolutely terrifying, Ben. Ben nearly absolutely jumped out of his skin, ladies and gentlemen. I think he thought it was a <laughs> Did werewolf. Did not expect that. I think he thought it was a werewolf of Castlevania. Oh, welcome back to the Barking Dog Podcast. Ben, I have my cat in the room with me. And as you know, she's a famously loud snorer. So we might get a bit of a treat of a, of a dog fantastic. barking and a cat snoring later. <laughs> ben, anyway, Good did they stuff. call him Ricky B? old Ricky B uh, so no they don't they avoid the phrase Ricky B sorry Go on. people hate when the dog is there Ben just keep going <laughs> the listeners have heard the dog before Ben you are more distracted than the listeners just power through it Ben if anybody cares about the dog they can contact Ofcom directly Right. So, ladies and gentlemen, this one features around Ricky B. We're nearly 300 years, Michael, after the original. Um, and we're during the French Revolution. I'm sorry, Ben, you seem to be mispronouncing that. It's Ricky B. Ricky, so Ricky B, in yeah. the place to be, uh, is during the French Revolution, Michael. And hang on, I'm going to have to stop that. Sorry, it's, it's going to have to. Give me two seconds. It's going to try me nuts. Ladies and gentlemen, I've, I'm going to leave the audio running now and I'm going to just deaden Ben's microphone so you can't hear the sound of the dog being strangled. <sighs> Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if Michael will keep this in, but the poor dog was driven demented by none other than a delivery man that I did not hear. Oh, classic dog. <laughs> well, now that you've killed the dog, Ben, we can get home with the podcast. <laughs> No dogs were harmed in the making of this podcast. She's now asleep on the little bed over there. Having a little rest. Look, there ah, she is there. look at her. She's having a little she rest. So she's grand. I haven't murdered any dogs and would not murder any. I could take any other slagging. Misogynist, racist, yeah. whatever yeah. you like, Michael. Yeah. Um, yeah. Lascivious yeah. Victorian gentleman. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. But. I don't hurt dogs and not I would anymore. never hurt yeah. an animal. Not I will anymore. not have that Michael, not again. on this podcast. Not after the incident. <laughs> scum. Do you know who hurts a lot of animals? Ew. They're nether animals from the depths of hell. But buddy, Ricky B. Ricky B. Ricky B. Sit with the whip and he's like, watch out. Okay, go on. Uh, yeah, Michael, so this is 300 years after the original, um, and we pick up with Richter Belmont, and sadly, Michael, we see at the very beginning, we, we noticed in the trailer a couple of weeks ago, Michael, when we reviewed it, we saw a very prince-like character. Oh, yeah. Who's very sexy. A Purple Rain-esque character. A Purple Rain-esque character, Michael. That's Orlocks. Who's that? Do you know who Orlocks is, Michael? Who is he? This is a bizarre video game adaptation. Go on. So... Orlox is a boss in the video game. He's technically the the keeper of the top regions of Dracula's castle. Now, not the top as in elite, literally top as in the tall bits of the castle. Oh, the tall bits, the towers. Yeah, the towers. And he owns that, Michael. Um, And he came about in Symphony of the Night. He's a kind of a, a strange lizard man creature. Is he now? Yeah, and that's Orlox. But in this, Michael, he's an Aztec vampire. 
Oh, he only sucks the blood of Aztecs. Uh, no, he sucks the blood of just about everybody, provided they're a bit sexy. Oh, very And um, it's very interesting, Michael. He's capable of transforming into a giant winged serpent. Oh, a kind of Quetzalcoatl type thing. A kind of Quetzalcoatl type thing. Look at you, you bloody... Uh, uh, just lashing out the, the Mexican myths there, Michael. Well oh, done, yeah. the Aztec myths. I've been around the block. Good man. So that turns out that was Orlocks, Michael, which is a bizarre adaptation. And Michael, this season of Castlevania is chock full of in-game references. It's great. Do go on. Yeah, so I can't do any spoilers for this, Michael, so I'll do a quick run-through of how good it is as a series. Number one, it's great. It's a good anime. It's it's well done. I'm not a huge anime fan. No great anime fan, am I? No, you hate One Piece. Yes, but I fucking love... Castlevania for some reason just think it's great just think it's great so this is a very worthy success to the next one there's some excellent kind of fluid twisty animation stuff it's a bit silly on the voice acting Michael there's a character that's supposed to be an opera singer in it not a very good singer Michael oh good and they use it a lot for some reason and I'm just like why didn't you actually hire an opera singer to do these parts Hmm. why why did you do that just do that they didn't though they didn't. So it's not, that's not great. But the action is great. The Castlevania mythos is great. There's an incredibly sexy female vampire in it, Michael. Oh, very good. Ridiculous. So there's a lot of things going on, Michael. It's a worthy successor to the original. It's kind of fun watching the French Revolution. It's a lot of repeats on the same themes. Church isn't great. Yeah. Watch there's out for Forge the masters making beasts from hell. Oh, yeah. You know, it's grand. It's Castlevania by the numbers, as we've come to understand it. Um, Warren Ellis is no longer on the series because he's uh, in the in the midst of some allegations, Michael. Oh, is he? Allegations as of being is a prick. every man who seemed to have uh, significantly contributed to us as as men, <laughs> or yeah. who gave us any kind of thing that we enjoyed once. He's in the midst of allegations and has is no longer on the Castlevania writing team. But the new writing team does a very good job. It's very very fun. We've got the classic characters. We've got Ricky B. Yeah, Ricky B, yeah. We've got Marie from the Ronda of... Can you say it for me? Because I'll get it wrong. Rondo of Blood. Rondo of Blood, thank you very much. So those characters are there, Michael. And then we get some excellent cameos. So ladies and gentlemen, if you don't want spoilers... Oh, here we go. I love spoilers. If you don't want them, listen away now. Alucard. Do you know what you could... No, hang on. Would you stop? What? Do you know what you could do if you don't want to listen to these spoilers, Michael? Oh, very good. You could take some time and give us a review wherever you're listening. Fucking buttery. Buttery <laughs> This nearly makes up for the dog hurting fiasco from earlier. <laughs> so, ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, a yes. couple of spoilers. Do you know who pops up in this, Michael? Alucard. He, he does, actually. You've kind of spoiled that early. But, yeah, he's in the very last episode, Michael. He comes in to save the day at the very last minute. And that's well, the cliffhanger that we end on. Because, Benjamin, you told me that this was set around the Rondo of Blood slash Symphony of the Night era. And that yes. is Alucard's era. It is. It's his era, Michael. Right. And then, you know who else pops up? Ricky B. Who else? Okay, don't spoil it for me. Elizabeth Bathroy. No. Okay. Um, who else is going to pop up then? Super Mario. No, he doesn't pop up, no. Oh, that would be a good crossover, though, wouldn't it? That would be excellent. I wouldn't see that Samus going. Aaron, Ben, from Metro. Nope, doesn't pop up. All right, I, I don't know how long I can maintain this. Lara it's Croft. From the, from the Castlevania franchise. Oh, from the Castlevania franchise. Oh, okay, my apologies. Dracula. Yeah, no, he's not there. Dracula's not there. Okay, who else do I know from the castle? No. Not Leon know. and Walter. 
No, I wish it was Leona Walter. It's not. Leona Matthias make no appearances. Do you know who pops up, Michael? Just Belmont. Who the hell is that? Symphony of the Night. He's the main character in that. He had a best friend, Maxim. Main character, Symphony of the Alucard, Ben, and you should know that. Harmony, sorry, Harmony of Distance, Michael. I Harmony always get it wrong. of Distance. Dissonance. Harmony of Distance. Y- yes, and Juice Belmont is in that, and he was best pals with a lad called Maxim Michael, and Maxim betrayed him to bring Dracula name, back. The lad's name was Maxim Michael. No, no, Michael. I used your name after his name, so we got Very Maxim good. Michael. Okay. Maybe it was Maxim Michael. I never looked up his second name, Michael. Could Who knows? Been, could it be? Are you saying this man's name is Juice Belmont? Like J U I C I G J U S T E. Ah, Just Belmont. Okay. No, it's no, no, no. It's very clearly said as Just Just Belmont. But he comes back as he comes back as Old Man Belmont. He's he's uh, Ricky B's grandfather. And he makes a bizarre appearance and does absolutely fucking nothing. Oh, very good. Very <laughs> exciting. I love characters who show up and do nothing. He has one very cool scene with a whip and a vampire, but uh, that's about it. Um, and then it, it has a couple of classic tropes in there, Michael. It's like, oh, I used to be able to do magic and then I lost my connection with it through trauma. But just when I need it, just in the nick of time, I get animated and I get super powered and I have to Ricky B. He has his Kamehamehamehamehai moment. Um, and I have to say, Michael... Dragon Ball, Ben. Uh, very enjoyable to watch. Oh, good. Just good. Yeah, any time a monster gets a, a fucking kicking, you're just in for it. You're like, yes, very good. Um, there's a lot more of that weird stuff, though, where it's like, oh, the, do the night creatures actually have souls? Um, mm. And it's very ill-defined on what lets a night creature keep its soul. It seems to be plot. Yeah, it seems yeah. to be. <laughs> so often is. Seems to be the major one, Michael. We get some interesting new characters. We get Annette, who is from essentially the Caribbean, um, and she has taken part in a slave uprising in the Caribbean, Michael, and she is there to stop the vampire uh, messiah from taking over the world. She has uh, voodoo and Creole-inspired magic, and she's she's kind of an earthbender. Oh, I see. If you want to look at her that way. She's a very fun addition, Michael. I would say it's very heavy on the excellent visuals, very basic on the plot, but it, it's done well. So it's well worth a watch, Michael. Castlevania Nocturne, season Fab one. You list. Maybe I'll give it a look. Ben, my cat's snoring. You probably can't Let's hear have, it, but the listeners will. have a little will. listen. The listeners will. Hold on, I'm going to wake her up. Taylor, stop snoring the listeners. <laughs> She hasn't, right. she hasn't listened. Ladies and gentlemen, don't worry. I have the DSPCA on the phone. Um, they will intervene there and let Taylor sleep on. Very good. Benjamin, look, sure, if she doesn't stop snoring, what we could always do is just shove her in a big hole in the ground. Michael, we don't hurt animals. This is what's going to get us cancelled. What? This cruelty to animals bit. This is not going to fly. We can survive most things. Go we on. are, after all, straight white men. Nothing yeah, bad yeah. is really going to happen here. Straight <laughs> It's, yeah, it's true. We did spend an inordinate amount of time talking about cocks. Yeah. Um, we were really into to. those cocks. Didn't I was to. very intrigued. Could have skipped Didn't that have over. To. That was not that Could was have not, not described in detail the 10 foot tall fleshy human cock. But anyway, Michael, we're starting a brand new segment for Spooktober, an idea Ooh. that has been percolating on my back burner for many a year. Speaking of... Speaking of, um, and we are finally going to launch the first in our series of Things That Go Bump in the Night. Oh, very good. It's not Things That Go Bump in the Eha. 
Uh, we probably should have called it that, Michael. That would have been good. Those notes yeah. before we decided to launch it and make a little mini trailer for it would have been great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I actually thought that a few weeks ago, but I never said it to you. Thanks. That was excellent notes, as always. <laughs> the, what keeps me coming back, ladies and gentlemen, is the collaboration. Having it's a creative partner like Mick. All is, about the collaboration. The it's all about. Okay. I just line him up and he knocks him down. Weeks later, own, when it's too late. Weeks later, yeah, exactly. That's how we do it. Ben, this is a Ladies and gentlemen, things that go bump in the night is our look at Irish horror films. Oh, very good. Yeah, and we've started with an absolutely unnerving belter this week, Michael. The Hole in the Ground from 2018. Oh, The Hole in the Ground with your favourite and mine, Tala's own Shauna Kerslake. Yeah, Shauna Kerslake is in it. James Cosmo plays the creepy little boy. Oh yeah, and that's it. Yeah, and that's that's pretty much it. We get Noreen and Des as well. They're in there as well, and they're pretty terrifying. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we'll get to that. And, so the whole of the ground, the tiniest Michael. little, the tiniest little cameo from Owen Macken from Resident Evil Six. <laughs> yeah. He pops up there. But this is directed by Lee Cronin, Michael, and our listeners might know Lee Cronin from the Evil Dead relaunch that happened just this very year. He's, a fa- he's out of Ireland as well, Ben. He's out of Ireland, Michael. He made the incredibly terrifying uh, Resident Evil reboot where the family gets taken over by deadites and there's a very strange family dynamic. And, Michael, all I could think when I watched this was, oh, this, is, this was pretty much his pitch for hmm. <laughs> the Evil Dead reboot. But he said, no, we'll just amp up the gore in Evil Dead. But this is the tone I'd like to strike. Very good, Benjamin. I saw this film again the other day. I saw this when it came out I think or maybe slightly after it came out and we talked about it on this very podcast or perhaps the precursor of this podcast when it used to be called Michael and Benjamin's podcast and <laughs> who would even listen to such a trite and awful named podcast nobody did nobody did but then <laughs> that doesn't don't. matter because <laughs> yeah. when I was watching it I thought that if, if this film was to follow the Victorian naming principle of having three or four names you would call it The Hole in the Ground or the dreadful horror of living in Bray or thereabouts, or the victory of not having children. <laughs> the blessing that is childlessness. Yeah, because that's really what it is. Really, this film can be summarised by, you don't want to live anywhere near Bray, and you're probably better off without kids because they might turn creepy. So, Michael, this is a loose adaptation of the Irish mythology of the changeling. Oh, go on. Yeah. So in this we have Sarah. Yeah. Um and Chris. Chris is the son, Sarah's the mother. Mm-hmm. And they are on the run from an unknown trauma. Yeah. It seems beginning. something to do with his dad. Something to do with his dad. His dad's not a great bloke by the looks of the film, right? By the looks of it, he might have been a little bit salty. And so <laughs> just a touch. Just, just a salty. little smidge of salty. And they move to Bray, or the Irish countryside. It's not really defined. It's basically Wicklow. They go it's to Wicklow. It's Bray, Ben. It's definitely Bray. <laughs> it's definitely. They're at the pier in Bray at the start. It's 100% think, Bray. I think they're in Wicklow, Michael, because there's a lot of forest. Yeah. The, this is the interesting thing. Sorry to cut across you, Ben. But this is the interesting thing of, of this film. that it play, And I recognise the irony of saying this when there has been a tragedy in Ireland in the last couple of days of... Not a dissimilar story to this, horrifically, um, where a, a mother was killed in her house, in an isolated country house, 
um, by a family. It's really member. unfortunate timing. We didn't time this well, ladies no. and gentlemen. So it wasn't we're going to actually try and be intentional. A little bit disrespectful about that. Uh, sorry, a little bit respectful about that. But um, it's I, what what I thought while watching this was a lot of the tone of it seems to be somewhat of that Americana isolated. The, the fear and terror of being so far away from anyone that anything could happen. But realistically, you, you don't get that in Ireland, realistically. Because there's nowhere in Ireland that's more than 20 minutes drive from a town. Yeah, no, that's true. We're never that far. It's really not that, because Ireland is quite a small country, let's be honest. And it's we don't have that living deeply but then i thought to myself actually that's not what it's about it's not about physical isolation it's about social isolation yeah so she could Absolutely. be living in a town now it wouldn't work as well as she lived in a town but a lot of the tension does draw out of it when she goes to work in bray yeah it's but i i think it's interesting i think what we're working with here michael is sarah processing her own trauma go on um and Lee Cronin plays with that. He wrote this with Stephen Shields and the screenplay plays very well with the concept of is is Sarah just a bit mad? Yeah. Is is that what's wrong? Is she having trouble looking at her son because he reminds her of her abuser? Is that what's happening? Is that why she's struggling to bond mm. with her son? Um, is it because she's so clearly from Tala and he appears to be from America? He appears to be very much from America. Um, he's a creepy little pastor boy. He's a very good... He's an excellent addition to the creepy little boys in horror. I don't know, Ben. Creepy little boys in horror is a very strong genre. It's, it's strong, but he's a contender. James Cosmo, I thought, knocked this out of the park, Michael. It fucking terrified me. Oh, um, very good. Go on. It unnerved me in the worst possible way. So, first of all, it is the horror of children, Michael. That's yeah, the, the sheer the horror of living in Bray with children. The sheer horror, Michael, of living in Bray with children. But it plays on my favourite and possibly the most unnerving of Irish myths, which is that of the changeling, Michael. We've talked about it numerous times on this podcast. Sometimes I think it's the only thing we talk about. Sometimes I think it's the only... We should have just called it Changeling. But, Michael, the Changeling is a concept in Irish myth where poor elf fairies, Michael, in Ireland, the she, the little folk, whatever you want to call them, they can't have any babies. Oh, no. Yeah, I know. So what they do is they go around stealing human babies and putting a weird little shape-shifting doppelganger thing in its place. Where do they get that? They just magic it up. I don't know. Is that a baby? It's not. It pretends to be a baby, Michael. Okay. But where are they getting those? I think I found a flaw in their logic. I, th- I think they're just chucking normal fairies. The fairies that are pricks in it. Oh, very Do you know good. what I mean? I think it's their <laughs> version of, like, the colony ship to fucking Australia. Oh, very good. Uh, you know who's a real prick? Fionnuk. We'll just get him to turn <laughs> into a human baby. <laughs> yeah, and then they'll toss him in the thing. So this happens all the time, Michael. And this used to be the explanation for why a mother might find their child odd or strange or struggle to bond with it. It was a reason that your child might be strange or malicious or odd as it grew up because it had been replaced by a changing. Now, Michael, today we have specific terms for that kind of thing. If a mother detests their child, it's probably postpartum depression. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe autism. Or if your child is very strange and struggles socially and doesn't fit in very well with the rest of the village, probably the tism. 
maybe a little bit of the tism, as they say, or, a touch of the tism. Or you know, there's a bit, there's there's a there's a bit in it where she's talking to her friend in Bray, and her friend just says, "Ah, the little bastards grown up. One minute they're an angel woman, and uh, then the other part of it is maybe it's just normal children growing up and their personalities developing and changing, and the mother can't handle it." Exactly. It's the the little darling has stopped being a little darling mm. and is now a force unto itself with its own wants and drives and things. And that's very challenging. So the, the changeling myth had a huge place in our mythology and is unfortunately the excuse that was used in several real life incidents where children were murdered or uh, be, and then blamed on, oh, it was a changeling. So we had mm. to sort that out. As you know, you know yourself, touch on the old nose. Touch on the old nose. Now, we see a version of that, Michael, in Noreen and Des. Yeah, walkie-talkie. Yeah, so Noreen and Des are the kind of old rural couple that we find. And Noreen is terrifying. She's this kind of classic old crone archetype that Lee Cronin uses. Um, And she's terrifying. She's just a very mentally deranged woman because she went through the trauma of losing her son um, and not accepting that it was her son. She thought she had lost her son to fairies. I think she did, though, Ben. Well, we're getting to that, Michael. So, Shauna, unfortunately, or sorry, Sarah, unfortunately, encounters Noreen at a very poor time when she herself is doubting whether her son is her son because Mm. there's phenomenal use of Irish landscape in this, Michael. So they move to this new house and one evening... The young fella goes for a wander. Yeah, around Bray. Around Bray. Around the Wicklow Mountains. bad shout. And she can't find him. And Mm. she goes out to the hole in the ground, Michael. And there she finds her son. And she has a very Slender Man-esque moment where she's running through the forest with a flashlight. Or as we say, torch. Or torch, Michael. A torch. And yeah. It's part of the world. And what we find, Michael, is the absolutely terrifying realisation of maybe it's not her son. I think maybe it's that's, sort of creature. Maybe that's not him. And for the rest of the film, Michael, we are kind of drip-fed little clues that it might not be her son. Like when he throws a table at her. Like when he throws a fucking table at her, With Michael. the strength of an adult man. Or when he doesn't play with his toy anymore. Or when he suddenly likes Sarah's cooking, which he's never liked before. He likes a Parmigiano cheese, Ben. That's how you know someone's an alien. Or when he combs his hair slowly like a little communion boy. Oh, no use. Uh, That's why I'm bald, Ben. Or when he brings his mammy flowers. Oh, what a prick. What a prick. But she knows that these are not normal behaviours for her child. And so what we get then is the... The classic unreliable narrator tale of is Sarah going a bit mental from her own trauma and struggling to identify with her child or has it been replaced by an ugly buggly? Ben, it's the ugly buggly. It's the ugly buggly. So spoilers for the film, ladies and gentlemen. As if that's not obvious at this stage. As if that's not obvious at this stage. But it turns out Sarah's back on the money. Her child has been replaced by the fairy folk. Now, what I love about this, Michael, is that the fairy folk are fucking terrifying. Horrible underground monstrosities. Horrible underground doppelganger boys. Mm, Right? And they're under the hill. And it's, it's very much 
in it's a very much modern retelling of Irish mythology because in Irish mythology the fairy folk live under a hill they they live mm. underground that's where they live um, and in this they do that as well except they're schkittery doppelgangery boys and they steal kids and it's yeah. fucking terrifying my god the last bringing, 15 yeah gross a, a little tiny hot touch of the movie The Descent oh Big time, Michael. Big time. You don't want to go down the hole in the ground. You should have gone down go there. Don't go down the hole in the ground, Sean Kerslake from down the road. Get out of there. Yeah. Oh, very disturbing. Yes. I, I, I Claustrophobia, I think, is the only fear I have. I Me don't too. like. I don't like claustrophobia. I don't like... Uh, I have a fear of confined spaces, or more accurately, I have a fear of my own panic in confined spaces. And I was watching this going, this isn't as scary as The Descent. So this would probably be grand. I'd be grand in that tunnel. No, I wouldn't. Oh, it'd be horrible. Oh, Jesus Christ, get out of that tunnel. Oh, there's something following her in the tunnel. <laughs> Back yeah. up. Oh, imagine backing up in a narrow tunnel. Oh, horrible. One of the best jump scares that isn't a jump scare really is when the creature wears her face back to her yeah and she's all clean and she's all clean and it's just terrifying Michael that she's being chased by herself at one point which is probably in theme with the movie Michael because Ah. she's struggling with herself really but anyway her own identity there are so many the, the cinematography and framing here Michael from Lee Cronin as a director is phenomenal go on um, Tom Comerfield or Comerfield I'm not sure how to pronounce that is the cinematographer here and the Irish landscape has never been so menacing Michael well I, Ben I beg to differ because I've been oh. to Bray I've been, you've been to Bray awful stuff awful <laughs> terrible time don't go to Bray one half of my entire family is from Bray Michael so this well, is going to get me in a lot of trouble the changeling half <laughs> the changeling half that's why I sometimes wear your face mm. um, but come here to me Come here yeah. to me. What is it? The, the From the very beginning, we're on a long winding road. Don't know where that road is because it's not in Ireland. It's not, we don't have those long winding roads through forests. It doesn't happen. That's the Appalachian Mountains. That's what but I mean. Then, There's a very Appalachian feel to this. Yeah. But one of the things that happens is they invert it and we enter the scene in kind of an inverted Irish landscape. Fascinating stuff, Michael. The framing at night when she first goes to search for her son, the Slender Man moment, the creepy-ass moments where Sarah observes her son doing new behaviours, like eating a fucking spider. Delicious. It's on the poster, Michael. I'm looking at the poster here and there's a spider crawling out of his mouth. Fucking terrifying anyway she eventually one of the things i think this does really really well as well outside of cinematography is pacing the tension in this michael just keeps amping up notch by notch by notch from the second the seed of doubt is planted in sarah's mind that this might not be my kid the events the violence the things just keep ramping up and another spoiler for the film noreen dies and the village claims that it's suicide absolutely mm. fucking isn't she gets no. fucking done in by the little creatures who live under the hill yeah, yeah no it's him it's the boy he gets her isn't it yeah he pretty much goes out and fucking sorts that out because he's coming yeah. between him and his new mammy yeah he buries her head in the ground it's horrible it's fucking horrible and he tries to do that to fucking Sarah as well at one point Michael that's a that's a deranged moment where he snaps and he's just like no nah, I'm gonna kill you he just fucks her about the place, Michael. <laughs> That's like, quite it's, funny. 
But all these are like metaphors for Sarah's trauma. Obviously, she's been, it's another form of domestic violence within the home. It's the place where you're supposed to be safe being turned against you. It's the bonds that are supposed to keep you tethered that are actually strangling you. You know, this this really was the blueprint for his Evil Dead reboot from Lee Cronin. Like, there's a lot of the same themes kicking up over and over again. So he attacks Sarah, knocks her unconscious, um, and then he he drags the um, Sarah manages to free herself because she had sedatives. She she yeah, poisoned she her poisoned own son. She poisoned her own son. But there's an amazing moment, Michael, where we are convinced. Well, I was convinced the first time I watched it that the horror of this film was going to be that she murdered her own son by mistake. Oh, what a twist! I I didn't I didn't know if there was going to be like oh. Uh, oh shit, I killed my son because I thought it was a changeling. Well, Ben, I would love if there were two cuts of this ending and that was one of them. Yeah. And any time you watch it, you didn't know which one it was going to be. Yeah. Yeah. Because I have seen this film before and I knew he was a changeling the whole time. So this time on watching it through, I had more of a I see dead people sort of moment where I was watching it going, hmm... That is a little bit suspicious what he's doing. The little changeling prick. The little shitbag. The little shit. So I wasn't thinking, oh, is he a changeling or is he not a changeling or is she just going mad? Because I knew, because I saw it before five years ago. But still good. There are so many like nice touches as well in this because we, we talked a little bit there about you know mythology and Irish mythology being interpreted. But the mirror thing is great because we have a huge thing about mirrors being covered when people die and things like that in um, Irish folklore and, and stuff like that. But mirrors are how you find the changelings because if you look at their reflection in the mirror, you see their true face. And then if you try to take pictures of them, Michael, they're always blurry. Yeah, they go all the ring. Yeah, which led to one of my favourite bloody little, oh, did she really get her son? Did she get him back or did she take the wrong one? Because then she moves to fucking, I don't know, Poland or something in the 1960s in the next (laughs) shot. It's it's a very dank apartment somewhere. Um, And she's not living away from people. It's it's kind of uh, evidence that like she's she's not isolating herself anymore. It's never going to happen again. Um, And uh, she takes pictures of Chris from her window because she's never sure. And one of them shows a blurry, blurry face. Oh, maybe it was just motion. Or maybe he's still a changeling. But, Michael, genuinely, a fucking terrifying fucking thing. Um, very unnerving film. I thought it was great. Um, I, I hate horror. I don't know why I decided to do yeah. this as a fucking... Why are we doing this? ...film. But, but this was phenomenal. It was an A24 gig, Michael. Classic, Ben. Ben, did you like the scene where he, the little boy was singing your favourite song, The Raglan Road? And He uh, does sing The Raglan Road. And he slows down and just starts saying it in a sinister way. Yeah, just on a loop. Yeah. What a little yeah. creep. What a little creep. James Cosmo, knocking it out of the park. Creepy little boys of horror. Excellent, excellent stuff. Michael, you were saying this didn't get great reviews. It didn't. It gets middling reviews because... I don't know, it doesn't seem to have resonated very much with international audiences, which, to be honest, I'm sick of, because I'm sick of Shauna Kerslake not being an international superstar. She's fucking great. Shauna Kerslake. Hup, Shauna. Go on, from down the road. Now, you might say we have a bit of a vested interest because she's from down the road. She's from down the road there. We see her on Tuesdays. Yeah, but she's from down the road. But that doesn't matter because she should be an international superstar and it's ridiculous that she's not. But anyway, 
it doesn't seem to have gotten great reviews. Its reviews seem to border on the generic, not that many thrills. I I really thought it was excellent. I think it's a, a real mix of kind of cinematic filmmaking and horror thrills with with a good heaping dose of I don't know if you can trust people from the country thrown in which as a Dubliner I enjoy yeah 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 even though even though Bray is literally just down the road like it's, it's basically my house Ben's road. house Sean Kerr's legs house Bray <laughs> Bray listen if Lee Cronin wants to come onto this podcast and do an interview with us Lee if you're listening please do hop on board there get hop in touch with on love. the podcast Lee we'll do an episode called What's So Scary About Bray What's so scary about Bray? But yeah, great stuff. Great cast. Loads of uh, classic little actors. Michael, I've made a huge mistake. What? I'm a fucking idiot. What have you said? I'm a fucking dumb dumb, Michael. What have you said? Go on, guess. It's not Lee Cronin? No, it is Lee Cronin. Oh, good. It, um, it is Lee Cronin. It's not Shauna Kerslake. It is Shauna Kerslake. Because I watched it the other day. Lee I've, got, I've gotten one name wrong here, Michael. Oh, whose name have you got wrong? The young fella is not James Cosmo. Fucking Dez is James Cosmo. James Cosmo is from Game of Thrones. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he absolute Jessup he's Ben. Absolute he's a 70 year old man. The young fella is James Quinn Markey. Oh, very good. You see, um, who, you just saw Cosmo and since. Thought, you just said Cosmo and said, that's a fun young person's name. Yeah, I'm going to give him that. Um, we haven't seen him much since, unfortunately, Michael. Oh, very good. He's probably too busy being a little creep. Yeah, he's probably gone to live under the mountain again. But, ladies and gentlemen, that was our first instalment in Bloody Things That Go Bump in the Night. What did you think of the film? Get in touch with us. I thought it was very good. Things That Go Bump in the Eha, as we also call it. it ben, I'm going to have to fucking change that now, you shitbag. I tell you what, though, Ben. Here's the thing, though. As much as Hole in the Ground creeped me out, it didn't creep me anywhere near as much as when you made me watch Over the Garden Wall. And here's why. <laughs> Come on. As you know, Ben, one of my favourite ever cartoon series is the cartoon series from the Cartoon Network, Gravity Falls. Yeah, it's really real it creepy. Has, yeah, it, it, Gravity Falls has got a little bit of creepiness, it's got a little bit of mystery, it's got a little bit of supernatural, it's got a little bit of hijinks. It's Just got enough a, creep. Bill Cipher. It's got a tiny little bit of Justin Roiland in it. It's got like all types That's of creepy. creepy all types of different creepiness. But Ben, when I told you I love Gravity Falls, you said, you know what you would love? You would love a little a little program, a little animated program called Over the Garden Wall. It's about two brothers who got lost in an adventure in the woods. And I yeah. said, oh, that does sound good. And you said to me, what you said to me, this is what you said to me was, if you like Gravity Falls, you'll love this. So I was expecting a fun colourful, light-hearted romp. And holy fuck, this is one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. This is an absolute nightmare fever dream of a thing. Yeah. Ben. It's great. What is going on in this? Over over the Garden Wall model has become a sensation within the animation community, especially in the car- cartoon networking, mainly because it's just fucking weird. It's one of the weirdest things I've ever seen. Um, Michael, you and I would never have done this podcast if it wasn't for Over the Garden Wall. Do go on. Uh, because I never would have started the blog Burning Paper Tigers to Do write about Over the Garden Wall. Because my first ever essay on Over the Garden Wall was an art comparison between the strange folkloric Americana art of Over the Garden Wall and classical art schools within the early American painting movement. 
Oh, well, that sounds both fascinating and boring. Ben, tell us a little bit about it. (laughs) For the listeners. Assume (laughs) I've read the blog. Tell us about it for the (laughs) listeners. I've read it. I've read it, but for the listeners. I don't mean tell us about the classical art style, Ben. I just mean just tell us about the show. What's going on? I know what you meant, you fuck. I've been doing this for seven Christing years. Yeah, yeah. Not long enough to remember the child actor James Markey's name. James Quinn to, Markey. Yeah, bastard. Long, long enough to get upset about Over the Garden Wall. Not as upset as I was. I was watching going, what in the hell is this? And it really wasn't helped, by Ben, by the fact it's hard to find these days. It's very hard to find, Michael. One of the, the great tragedies that is coming about... Michael, as a result of every single streaming service becoming its own cable package again. Yeah. Is that a lot of the times people are not buying the rights to things that they don't think will be a return on investment. Mm. So HBO, which did have Over the Garden Wall, has just dropped it. And it's not that they've dropped it in favour of somebody else picking it up, Michael. They've just archived it. Yeah, you you can't actually watch this anywhere on streaming. Um, Which is weird. Very strange. So that added to the oddness for me because I had to try and find it through other methods. So Which, I got a, uh, Michael hates an odyssey. I hate, absolutely hate it. So I got a bit of a fragmentary glimpse of it, including the pilot episode, I think, on YouTube. Yeah. So this is based on uh, Patrick McHale is the man behind this. And Patrick McHale, you may or may not know from other things, Michael. I don't. Um, he's had a big old hand in your favourite bloody... What's that thing that we just talked about? Gravity Falls. Oh, go on. Um, he worked... He worked. He was. A, he's a good pal of the creator of Gravity Falls. Just in And Ireland. he's done a lot... Not just in Ryland. Get the fuck out of here. Um, he's done a lot of work on Adventure Time. Um, he was a storyboard artist for them. And he then went on to do a little bit of this. And this is based on Tome of the Unknown, Michael. Tome of the Unknown was a little short film that he made for Cartoon Network. And it was basically what would become Over the Garden Wall. Oh, one. Yeah, so Tome of the Unknown um, is... It's in a large forest called The Unknown, very similar to this. And Wirt and his brother Gregory walk with Beatrice who is the bluebird. Um, mm. And the three of them on their way into a big city in search of a book titled The Tome of the Unknown. And it contains every forgotten thing. For example, Ben, who they are and what they're doing there. Yeah. Um, so Hideous. what happens is um, they meet humanoid vegetable people. Yeah. Pumpkin people. Um, in a car. Um, who offer them a lift into the big city. And they, that's kind of what happens. They they go into this big city. But that would later become over the garden wall, Michael. And we got Wirt and Greg. Now, Ben, one of the upsetting things about this for me is that, as you know, I call my lady friend Greg. Not yes. through some sort of weird, like, gender-bending thing. It happens to actually be her name. Yes. And it's very strange for me that the character in this keeps saying, Greg, don't do that. Greg, come back here. They have they have similar love of the whimsy of life. Yeah, very much so. Um, so, Ben, this is... I wasn't expecting this at all. The opening scene of the pilot, I think, is Greg and Wirt, who are, what, maybe 10 and 5-ish? Maybe. They're kids. They're kids. They're a young kid and a medium kid. Kiddos. Um, and 
they're walking through a forest and the older one is like the, the younger one is coming up with names for his frog which is hilarious because he's coming up with all sorts of hysterical names and then normal names and that's one of my favourite tropes in media is it coming is. up with loads of mad names and then Steve yes. fabulous but then the older one says where are we and what are we doing here and neither of them can remember and neither of them can remember never a good sign Michael never a good sign and then they just get hit with a series of Kafka-esque nightmares yes it's not Kafka-esque I just like using that phrase uh, well, it works pretty well um, I, I would say I would say almost Edgar Allan Poeian yeah uh, stuff I, it's very strange you know um, so when I originally wrote about this Michael like, I called it a bizarre love letter to forgotten America um, and that's that's kind of what we're we're dealing with. There's there's one heavy influence here, Michael. It's actually not Edgar Allan Poe. It's Nathaniel Hawthorne. Who is um, that? Nathaniel Hawthorne is a very uh, I won't say famous because I think that would be misleading, but Niche. he's a pivotal figure um, in the world of American fiction. Go on. Um, he predates our good friend Mister Poe. Um, and he wrote about bizarre things. He was an American novelist um, and he was uh, living in the 1800s, very much like our friend Poe. Um, and his works focus on history, morality and religion. He's, he's, he's got a bit of a thing for Puritan America. Um, but particularly tempting the old Puritan Americans and twisting them about the place. Mm. Um, he was a descendant of Puritan judges, Michael, um, and he began writing fiction that uh, was drawn from a lot of the material um, around the pilgrims and stories that came from pilgrims. And he would take those and he would carry them forward into the 1800s. And he created kinds of devils in the forest and bizarre liminal spaces in American in the American outback. He was, you know, big on that. Yeah, like um, Bray. Yes. Um, his most widely read novel, which you probably would know, is The Scarlet Letter. Painter, I know who he is. I was doing a thing for the listeners. I know. I know. It was just, you see, when you establish the conceit, Michael, I then yeah. have to continue within the framework you've created. So oh. I then continue to treat you as though you were an idiot. Oh, I see. I thought we were just free-forming it. I thought we were just doing whatever we wanted, like the, like the over the garden wall. No, Michael, I get trapped in cages, you see. Cages that you build. Oh, very good. Cages of our own imagination. Ben. Yes. Is this just one series, though? Yeah, it's just a mini-series. It's it's something you would never get today, Michael. It is ten episodes, ten mini-episodes, about 12 minutes long each. And that's it. That's all we ever got. That's it. The story is enclosed, encapsulated, finished. And who's in it, even? Michael, the cast of this is fucking phenomenal. <laughs> one Elijah Wood is worth oh what a, what an absolute creep <laughs> why why what's wrong with Elijah Wood he just looks creepy do you remember that bit where he's like Gandalf oh yeah that's no, pretty it's pretty creepy oh Gandalf oh, oh Gandalf he, he slow motions runs towards Gandalf no good yeah. no uh, Colin Dean Michael plays Greg everybody's favourite Greg and he's just a voice actor he just happened to look at how big me. time excuse yeah. me how very dare you say just a voice actor? Come on, keep going. Benjamin, how very dare you say just a voice Hit me with your best actor. shot. Come on, keep coming at me. No, that's all I'm saying. All right, okay. That's... I'm just saying, this, the, the voice acting is not just. But, but that's what I said. And if anyone should know that, it's you. 
Yeah, no, I know. I love voice acting, Michael. I do yeah, I know. It's just my life doing voice actor. Anyway, anyway go on. Uh, Melanie Linsky is Beatrice the Bluebird. Oh, from out of being married to um, Leonardo DiCaprio in that film about the earth, not the earthquake, the big meteor. Yeah, Melanie Linsky is pretty famous in her own right, Margot. Got her start uh, on Two and a Half Men for some reason. And uh, not the best of beginnings, but we've seen her in hundreds of things uh, since, Michael. We got to see her in The Last of Us most recently. Yellow Jackets. Um, Yellow Jackets. We got to see her in that. We got to see her in I Don't Want to Live on This Planet Anymore. Yeah. That's a good one. Um, and Melanie Linsky, very, very popular actress, provides the voice for the kind of morally dubious little bluebird that is Beatrice. Uh, Christopher Lloyd is the huntsman, Michael, or the axeman. He is. Very surprising voice acting from yeah. Christopher Lloyd. Very surprising. He popped up in that. You remember Auntie Whispers, the terrifying vision that is Auntie Whispers? Benjamin, there's nothing in this that isn't terrifying. I know, but Auntie Whispers is particularly terrifying. Because she's a big, creepy emanation of a woman who's looking after her possessed, young ward. Terrible stuff. In a ghost form. That's Tim Curry, Michael. Of course it is. It's Tim fucking Curry. That's Mr. Tim Curry to you. That's Mr. Tim Curry to you, Ben. Um, So, yeah, this is a, a creep fest, Michael, and it's absolutely fascinating um, it is as it turns out and we'll, we'll go into a little bit of spoilers here Michael they are warned in the very early uh, stages of this that there is a beast watch out for the beast the for- in the forgotten wood the beast and it will come and get you mm. and um, that beast is pretty much depression <laughs> at a yeah. certain point Michael it becomes a metaphor for depression and poor Wirt is at that age where he's having to stretch himself socially and he's getting rejection even though he's not really getting rejection as it's, re- as it's uh, revealed in the last few episodes Michael he's simply a bit of an incel before that was a popular term <laughs> this, this this was about incels before there were incels well it's quite interesting like Wirt is dealing with the difficulty of murder Emerging families. It's um, we don't realize. I always thought before I had seen the full series that Worth and Greg were of the same time period. So somewhere around the 1600s, and they were dressed in this weird little way, in the same way. Dressed like they're dressed like little pilgrim boys. They're dressed like little pilgrim boys. They're not. They're from the eighties, Michael. He's wearing a wizard costume because he likes D and D. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's uh, he's doing clarinets and stuff. Yeah, and fucking Greg is an elephant. Um, that's why he wears the teapot upside down in his head, because he's got a little spout like an elephant's mm. trunk. But anyway, anyway. Go on. Neither here nor there. It's revealed in the final two episodes, Michael, that all this happened because Wirt put his young half-brother, or his new stepbrother in mortal peril. And so what we find out is the realm of the Forgotten Wood, Michael, is a bit of a liminal limbo space between life and death. Yeah. Yeah, I was immediately brought back to you know that film we we watched years ago, which was about the liminal spaces between death, and then we always forget what it's called, which I think is fitting. And then yeah, yeah. my friend Andrew's guy reminds us on the Discord uh, about guy. About if you could just hop up there, hop up on the Discord guy and remind us what that's called again, because we That'd always be forget it. But but it reminded me of that. It reminded me of oh, this is a series of weird happenings. It's definitely inside someone's brain. Yeah, no, it has to be. And again, Michael, we're playing fast and loose with the rules of reality here because what we're seeing is 
it, maybe it's real. Maybe they did travel to this bizarre other realm and have to deal with it. It's very Wizard of Oz in that way, Michael. They're given a series of increasingly ridiculous quests. Mm. Um, from seeing Adelaide, the old lady of the wood, to going to Pottersville, which is a very fun play on a potter's field. Um, so these are all kind of little glimmers of American history. Potter's fields, Michael, are places where the dead are buried without a name. Ooh, what was their name, though? Um, well, we'll never know, Michael. That's the whole point of a potter's field. It's usually where poor people, plague victims, criminals were buried. They'd be buried in a potter's field. Hmm. Um, I was going to say something, but I've lost it now. So carry on. Fantastic. Um, so they encounter all these ridiculous characters com- from various time periods in America. The Axeman is a Nathaniel Hawthorne character just come to life. The Beast is a Nathaniel Hawthorne concept come to life. The Devil in the Woods was a huge thing that Nathaniel Hawthorne wrote about all the time, Michael. Mm. Um, in his short stories and his fiction. Um, and we see a lot of that as we go through this particular thing. John Cleese is there. Michael, he, he, plays, the, he plays the tea baron. Yeah. Very strange, Michael. So many huge names in this. But it's not hard to see why, Michael. This is a, a little gem of bizarre flash fiction. Go on. I cannot believe this was made. I don't think you'd get away with it today. Well, you wouldn't because you can't watch it today. Well, you can't watch it today anymore. It's it's not it's not there. Do you know what I mean? But it's bizarre. It's this cool traversing of an obscure pre nineteenth century America, mm. um, and it's probably something that gets overlooked quite a bit. America is a country obsessed with forgetting its origins, so it's quite interesting that. This show is just there going, well, it's pretty fucking weird. Um, weird. There's some weird shit going on. There's some fucking weird shit going on, man. Uh, one of my favorite things about it is The Highwayman. That that seared itself into my brain the first time I watched it. Where it's like, I'm The Highwayman. And he does that weird dance and song. That whole singing tavern thing is a play on Chaucer, which is very fun. You have The Handmaid's... Or not The Handmaid's Tale. Um, <laughs> you have... Nice tale. Um, the Knight's Tale, you have The Pardoner's Tale, you know, all those kind of things. We essentially get a retelling of that in animated form from um, Over the Garden Wall in the Tavern episode. It's a fascinating little series. It'll take you, you can find bits of it. I know that there is one account that is constantly uploading one episode a day for Halloween. So if you can find it up there, have oh, a look at it. Very good. Yeah, because and you can watch it like that. It is um, upsettingly difficult to watch. Um, and it's a shame, because it's a real win. Hold on, let me just check, Ben, if it's available anywhere. This isn't great podcasting. No, there's only bits and pieces of, of it on YouTube. It's incredible in this day and age for something so artistically worthy Yes, to be borderline inaccessible for people who aren't very internet savvy. Yeah, it's a shame. It, like it, it is. It really is a fascinating collection of things. So you have like a Chaucer reference in that tavern episode. Greg gets his own kind of Felix the Cat, Betty Boop, early days of nineteen twenties cartoons episode where he goes to Cloud City, and mm. in Cloud City he meets all these essentially Felix the Cat coded characters and he has to contend with the north wind michael and that that's kind of a really old cartoon conceit um but it really is this beautiful celebration 
of America's bizarre hodgepodge folklore. Um, it's a weird America. And it's terrifying in places. There are some bizarre things. I will never get over Auntie Whispers and the possessed uh, niece. Like, very strange stuff, Michael. The Beast himself is a strange operatic nightmare. Like, he's a dick. And um, I didn't like the big black dog with the turtle in him. At the start, Michael, what was what are the little black venom turtles about? What's that? Yes. Hideous things. Hideous things, Michael. Unnerving, bizarre, strange, mm. threatening, perfect for Spooktober. <laughs> um, see what I did there, ladies and gentlemen? Very good. That was very good, actually. Very good. That was very good. Yeah. That, that's so, brought uh, back the shambles of an episode to Acceptable. Ah, nice. Uh, Ladies and gentlemen, did you enjoy this shambles episode? If you did, leave us a review wherever (laughs) you listen. Or if you didn't enjoy it, get in touch with us. Give us a piece of your mind. You can get in in touch with us in a few different places. You can find us on the interwebs at www.seanrabeug.com. S-E-O-M-R-A-B-E-A-G.com. It means tiny room in Irish. You can hop up on our ACAST website. Just type in Sherlock Listen Podcast, ACAST, into your browser and you'll find us over there. Michael's never seen it. I've never even seen it. Yeah, you can find us on Instagram at Shalukshalism Podcast. Uh, yeah, means Shalukshalism in English. Yeah, you can find us on TikTok at Shalukshalism. We just crossed 300 followers on TikTok. 300 um, followers on TikTok. Exactly. Um, you can find us on, well, that's about it really, Michael. I think we've we've pretty much sold all our wares there. But the best way, Michael, to yeah. get in touch with us is not to go up on these bloody peasant social media sites, Michael. But you should hop up on the Discord and communicate with us directly. That way, hop. you can really insult us and we can't get away from you. Can't get away from you. Hop up on it and if you're lucky, hop. you might be there when Guy comes on and reminds us of the name of that film again. Yeah, thanks Guy. Appreciate it in advance. Uh, come here to me. Next week, Michael, we've got a what? few other little I was going to say buns in the oven, but that's not it. Uh, shoes in the fire? Pans in the fire? What's what's that Sh- phrase? Shoes in the fire. We've got a few shoes in the fire. It's an old got Irish f- phrase. Old Irish phrase. few shoes in the fire. Ladies and gentlemen, next week we're going to be taking a look at one of Michael's favourite topics, giant spiders. Ah, oh, giant spiders. I didn't <laughs> know that was next week. I'm so excited. We're doing giant spiders. And we're going to take a look in our things that go bump in the eha. Michael, we're going to take a look at the wonderful, shiny world of Grabbers, the 2012 bizarre Irish horror comedy Grabbers. The only way to survive is to get piddly-eyed drunk. Piddly-eyed drunk, doing wonders for the reputation of the Irish across the globe. Bye-bye. Bye-bye now. Then next week, we're going to have a look at the terrifying Irish film Leap Year. <laughs> 